Welcome back, guys. This is Life Below Parallel, and today we're interviewing Jamie Mendoza. Jamie's a gym owner down in Austin, Texas. We hear about her really inspiring story, how she almost lost her life after an accident in the gym, her current state of affairs with her business, and how she keeps a positive mindset around all of it. This was such an enlightening conversation, and I'm so happy we get to share it with you guys. Here we go. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, today we have a very special guest, Jamie Mendoza. She is also from Austin, Texas, as our last guest was. Jamie's going through uh, a very difficult set of circumstances right now, and we're going to get to the bottom of that. But first, we would just like to have her give a brief little introduction of herself. So, Jamie, welcome to the podcast, and go ahead with that whenever you're ready. Hello, and thank you guys for having me or taking the time out to want to talk to me and hear a little bit more about my story. Um, but I'm Jamie Lynn. I am a current gym owner in Austin, Texas, or I guess gym enthusiast, maybe at this point. <laughs> um, and I have been running Outsiders ATX for a little less than a year, but my journey with the gym started a little over a year ago when I started renovations and building it. But that's just a rundown, I guess, professionally. I've been a CrossFit and weightlifting athlete now going on almost nine years, I would say. I'm an OG, okay? I might look young, but I'm an OG. Uh, and I did a competitive collegiate weightlifting for two or three years in college. And so just my love for the barbell runs super deep. That's awesome. What about uh, like a little bit of personal background stuff? Uh, I guess a cool story because a lot of people know me through my accident story. Uh, I have a lot of trauma in my life and um, a big accident that I was involved in happened in 2014 when I was doing a clean. And this was when I was in college competing. I showed up for a practice on a weekend and I crushed my arm under the barbell with a bad catch. Oh. Yes. So my left arm is actually half metal. My form okay. is put back together by metal. So I'm like half cyborg. Uh, it's just like the running joke around town. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I had five surgeries. I was paralyzed. They wanted to amputate. I bled out. I mean, it was a pretty gnarly accident. Holy uh, shit. All from yeah, a practice I was not session. supposed to weightlift ever again and I had like a year's worth of recovery, they told me, and they still wanted to amputate even after I was released out of the hospital because I was I was paralyzed. Like <laughs> I couldn't function my hand anymore. It was done. Yeah, it was it was traumatic. I mean it was tragic more than traumatic. It was tragic. Right. Um but, how, yeah. long did, how long did it take you to regain motor skills? So my story, honestly, it was pretty crazy how I bounced back because I was given like a year's worth to even recover if I was going to recover or feel again. And they were surprised if I had some kind of nerve generation within a few months. And I was able to regenerate my nerves by, I think, 
it was close to like three months. Um, because my thumb, honestly, my thumb took the longest to start to wake up again. And they were going to do a sick surgery to do a nerve graft on my thumb because they were afraid it just wasn't going to ever like move or function normally. Um, after going on, I think almost four months without it. But one day I woke up and my thumb just decided that it would turn over because I was grabbing things like this. (laughs) Yeah, it was super weird. So I didn't have that, that thumb rotation. I forgot what you call it. Um, but anyways, I was able to kind of beat those odds. And by three months, I started to feel things again and be able to grab things again. And granted my grip strength and things like that were still in recovery. And then by what, not even six months, I was released fully. And they said, okay, you can lift again, like, be careful. You're probably not going to be able to lift over a hundred pounds. And, you know, telling a weightlifter <laughs> that I was like, y'all don't know me. Um, so <laughs> I left and I started just weightlifting and crossfitting again and, you know, adapting to all the metal that's in my arm now. And the fact that I do have severe nerve damage still, um, And then by six months, I was training with my team. And then by eight months, I was competing again. And I broke my old record and the weight that I was using the day that I smashed my arm. I was able to fully clean and jerk it and break PRs and set records my first meet back. So it was pretty crazy uh, eight months of my life. That's awesome. So so you've got a pretty solid record with overcoming adversity then. Yeah. I mean, I guess not unfortunately, but I, I have a pretty extensive track record because that's that's just one thing that's happened. I've had a, a few other things I've gone through, but I mean, that's a big one right there. Jamie, I want to ask, uh, when when this all happened, what what was going on in your mind when you found out uh, maybe I'll never lift again? Oh, I honestly, that was never a thought. So I had the moment where I kind of had to stare that in the face when I woke up from my first surgery, because my ER experience was where everything took a really dark turn. Um, And I'll spare you guys the details of what happened in the ER, but it was pretty uh, gnarly. And I thought I had died in the ER, really. Um, I was awake when they set my arm back together. And it was just, yeah, it was kind of a horror show. But anyways... Um, when they finally, cause I had started bleeding out in the ER and that's why the ER was so bad for me. Um, and I started to lose feeling when I was also in the ER and the doctor that had put my bones together, didn't know what was happening. And so he just thought I was complaining and crying and freaking out and being dramatic. Cause I'm a girl. Right. <laughs> um, and So he left, he just left my room for like four hours. And I know that when you have stitches and you cut yourself, you've got a certain amount of time before you can't stitch that part of your body anymore. Um, And that's what happens with compartment syndrome, which is what I had. I had severed pretty much everything like in the middle of my forearm, whether that was like muscles and nerves. Um, I'd have to go back and read reports, but pretty much everything was severed at that point. And I was bleeding out, which is why I was screaming. There was so much pressure and it's going to explode and all these things and I needed help. And he thought I was being dramatic. So they called an oro or an OR doctor and ortho doctor. Um, And he came about four hours later and he knew right away when he noticed just 
the way that it appeared to him and the symptoms I was having and the fact that I lost all my feeling by the time that he got there. I just couldn't feel anything besides a lot of stiff pain and pressure. And that was it. As far as like being able to feel things and touch and sensations, like it was already gone. And um, there's actually a video of me getting run into the OR, like hooked up to all these wires. And that was the last time I saw myself like normally really ever again. I mean, I was knocked out in the video, but that was it. And then I woke up from my first surgery because they had to do um, a fasciotomy, an immediate one to release a lot of the blood. And then they put all the metal and they kind of reconstructed my bones back together. Um, and then I woke up and they're like, Hey, you're paralyzed. You know, we can amputate. This is one of the options. This is another option. You bled out for a really toxic amount of time. And, um, I chased a window where you can, you can actually die from compartment syndrome. If you go too long bleeding out inside of a certain area localized. So it was pretty, it was rough, but when they told me that I was paralyzed, kind of just to circle back to that, um, and that I was probably never going to be either one living normally again, um, or let alone lifting, it was, it struck me pretty hard, but at the same time, I'm also known for being really stubborn and I try to exhaust all things possible and what I can do in my own skin and with my own capabilities. And I was like, okay, like what you just said, like, sure, that really hurts. And I'll probably cry about it when you leave my room, but that's not going to happen. Like, I'm definitely here to prove that wrong. I've proved many things wrong in my life. Like, this is just another hurdle because I knew how passionate I was about barbell. And it was one thing that I just wasn't going to let this take that away from me. Um, and so it was like, it was a thought for like a second, but then it was, how fast can I get into recovery? How fast can I overcome this? And what's my timeline so I can break that timeline. So it was pretty much like CrossFit recovery for time, like (laughs) paralysis for time, I guess. Wow. That's, that's just a lot to take in just now. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) So. I think that's a good point to lead into what Matt and I agreed on should be like one of the first questions that we ask you and what made you want to open a gym? And I'm going to add a little bit to that. And why did you name it outsiders? So honestly, I've been asked this question so many times and I never wanted to open a freaking gym. (laughs) I never wanted to do this. Um, but I felt Same. very called, like I felt very called to have a community and a place. And an HQ is kind of how I saw this vision I had a long time ago. And whether that was through a gym, okay, fine. The gym is going to be a part of it because I love barbell. I love movement. I love all things functional, um, okay. i.e. like you know, story of my life. I've had to learn and adapt functionally to be able to live normally. And so I was like, okay, well, if I create a place, they, I can have, you know, the gym in the back. And then what I want to do is really dive deep into helping people overcome struggle and mental health and addiction and all those aspects of their life that can be very dark, you know, no matter what the background is, I wanted to bring in all of the misfits and all of the black sheep and all of the people, even if you don't look like one, 
You know, that's not just saying that, hey, you're, you look like a misfit, you know, looking at me, I've got a bunch of tattoos and stuff. You might think I have a horrid past, but I didn't want people to feel like they were ever alone in something that they were going through in life. But even on the inside, you might feel lost and broken and look like you have it all put together. Yet there is a place that you belong where we can heal that, overcome that together. And so that's what I wanted to create. And of course it showed itself through a gym and then being able to communicate and meet the people that I've met along this way. Um, I know that this is where I should have been and what I should have been doing. Well, knowing that, to, yeah. uh-huh. knowing that, you know, the, the CrossFit culture and community is surrounded by people and pe- not just people, but people helping people. It's, it only makes sense that that's what it evolved into. Yeah. Well, I've also seen in this community, and this is not giving a stab at the health industry or even really the CrossFit industry, but I've just seen a shift where I feel like the mental health part, yes, it's on the rise, but a lot of these gyms, like they start out with these big missions and they want to help people and change their lives and be emotional, spiritual, and connect it to movement and stuff and run a business. Sure, I get it. But I have not seen. Very few. I've, I've seen, I've met a few people, um, so I can't say all, but a lot of gyms that want all these big things and they want to glamorize mental health, they don't have the proper leaders to do that. And they don't have people that have suffering and that have traumatic past and that have the experience to be able to teach that and bring people out of their own darkness. And that is what I was trying to make a stand for is like, hey, I know we're, you know, another gym that has this big mission to really like connect someone physically, emotionally, and mentally to who they are again and give back some purpose, but we're going to go down a dark path and there's going to be a little bit of suffering. Yes, we have crazy workouts and stuff like that, but I want you to connect with your spirit again. And you have got to absolutely have a leader or somebody in place in your community that can do that, or at least touch people in that way. And it's, it's so hard to find that with other gyms, you know, cause you do become financially focused or you have obligations and things. And I know people have, you know, their stories and whatever. Um, but I just felt there was a, a huge hole in our just industry seeing that in, it might not just be CrossFit. It could be anything, any fitness brand out there. Absolutely. And then let's come back to, the why outsiders? I mean, you kind of gave an answer, but like I think there should be just a little bit more detail to it before we go on. So outsiders, it just kind of fell. So I had my barbell club before I had my gym. I had outsiders barbell club and I was um, teaching a few USAW athletes that were competitors for me. And I coined the name outsiders because I, I've been struggling what to name my barbell club for a long time. And I wanted something that was unconventional and uncommon and misfit-like and just tying together what it felt like to be a black sheep because we all came together with the barbell. And being able to almost anonymously put people together in a group, I just felt like, you know, thinking about it one day, I had a nurse that was a big weightlifter for me. I had a foreign exchange student from France. I had a media photographer, wedding guy. I had a master's athlete with like a cycling background. And I just had all these people with different backgrounds and we all came together 
the same time almost every day and we trained. And so I was like, they're just a bunch of my outsiders. Like we're all from outside backgrounds yet. Like this is where we unify is barbell. I totally get that because I look around uh, my gym and, and I tell myself all the time, I said, if it wasn't for this place, I would have never met you. We would have never become friends. So I totally get your, uh, your description of why you chose that name. Why don't you give us a little, uh, a little bit of the story about what you're experiencing right now with Outsiders? Maybe, maybe from like a little bit of the journey and growing the gym and stuff like that and what you've kind of ran into within the last month here. Woof. All right. Um, <laughs> Oh, we're about to get real meaty. Uh, So after I had coined my barbell club, I was working for another gym. I was one of their head coaches and programmers out there. And then obviously having my barbell club run through the gym, I just decided that I would start my own. And so I found a space in downtown Austin and... I ran with it. I mean, I did what I needed to do, got all my ducks in a row and I seized this place. And then I started my renovations last August. So almost exactly a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, It took me a few months to get everything together and situated and laid out and cleaned up. And so I launched officially December 1st. So it's been about, oh, what month are we in? Um, December like 10 months now, probably like close to 10 months that I've been operating as a gym. And uh, <laughs> it's been a crazy uh, 10 months. A lot of things have happened along the way. I actually ran into a roof problem uh, earlier in the year where our gym flooded. Yeah, within the first like three months, we had a bunch of random rain in Texas. Of course, our weather's bipolar. And my warehouse is pretty old. And so we had a roof glitch. And so it was an interesting like two months or so to like kind of meander my way through that or row my way through that. Paddle it through. <laughs> uh, but we did and it was fine. And then the spring came around, things were going and, you know, the gym was picking up and you would look inside and be like, okay, this gym is a gym. You know, that feeling what you get after you see the progress and the process come together. And seeing your classes kind of fill up and but more bodies showing up and all of those feels that you get as a business owner. Um, I probably had those around the springtime. Now, fast forward to what I'm dealing with now uh, with outsiders. Uh, we're literally outside because <laughs> um, we're living and breathing our name officially. Um, we lost our building. And it was around August. I uh, got a phone call that we are no longer going to be able to stay in our building um, due to a development and that they were going to begin demolition in October. So we now have been searching desperately for relocation. We haven't had any luck yet because Austin is so crazy competitive right now. And with all the developments going on, it's just being a very small business owner and having to do all of the small business things twice in less than a year, you don't really expect that. Um, Did they buy you out of your lease? No. So my lease 
And this is for everybody that wants to start a gym, really look at the details in this lease and go through it, get an attorney, do whatever you need to do and don't pull on me. So my lease, I took a big risk. Okay. I knew this over a year ago when I signed it, I was going to go year to year. That's a huge risk, but the location was amazing. I felt like it was the one, all those things where my gut was like, just go. And I felt like, all right, if I get it for a year, I can really build something amazing here, build the brand. And then if we need to relocate in a year, we'll do that. That's fine. But let I can me tell you, it. I can tell you from looking, looking at the pictures and the videos that I've seen from inside the walls of the space that you had, that was such a good choice. That spot looked awesome. It was like, so rad. Yeah. Like, oh my I, so gosh. I can, I completely understand you feel you being there and feeling like, oh man, this is it. Like, so I totally can relate where you're coming from in that, in that manner. And I'm a little woo woo. I'm, I do call myself the meathead hippie. Thanks to Emily Schramm. Um, I find that with myself. I, so I, I can be very spiritual and I'm doing this journey alone. I don't have partners. I don't have investors. Like it's me my finances, and now the bank. Because um, I've had to work very closely with them with the gym stuff. And so, um, yeah, of course, like if I feel something and it feels right because I don't have another body to give me advice, I have got to rely on my gut 110%. And my gut was telling me, just do it. You've got to dive, go. Like stop hesitating, stop wasting your time, make all your mistakes. You've got a year. If you fail, you fail. But figure it out because I was in a weird phase before I had started any of this wanting purpose and wanting direction and wanting to reach more people. And how do I do that? How do I do that? And so when this space came about, I was like, this is how I'm going to do that. And this is where I'm going to be for a year. And so when my lease came up on its one year in July, I actually spoke with my, um, the leaseholder, I guess, or the landlord's and they decided to go month to month because originally they told me maybe two to five years on a year to year, but they weren't sure because the development and permitting and all those things. So I was like, okay, you know, still banking on a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I, I talked to them in July to kind of update where that next year was going to be, it was going to be a month to month with a 30 day notice and then till the end of the year, but they don't, they didn't want me to, bank on the end of the year right they were like we have probably till 2020 but definitely try to find a new home asap and so i was like okay that's fine and i had already started to work with um some brokers right before i had even like discussed anything with them so i was already in motion i felt very confident about it and then a few weeks later i got that phone call that they were going to revoke the terms that we talked about in July and they had not sent me my updated lease on the month to month with that 30 day notice yet. We just verbally talked about it and agreed verbally. So the black and white left me at that end date in August and they tried to push me out then. And I, I told them, I was like, this is two weeks of a heads up. Like I can't, there's no way I can relocate in two weeks. Like I need at least two additional weeks in September, because this was about the middle of August, I need a month to figure out what I'm going to do. 
And um, they were like, all right, we'll see what we can do. And, you know, they allowed me to be there another like two or three weeks because I just moved everything into storage this past weekend on the 21st since we hadn't had any luck finding a new space. And I mean, I'm talking effortlessly looking, relentlessly looking something financially, all the things that meet the requirements of what you need to do to get into space just haven't worked out. And so it left me putting everything in storage. However, I don't want to stop business. And so now my next option is, well, we don't have a roof, but I have all the equipment. What do I do with it? How do I, how do I keep doing things before shutting down indefinitely? Because one, I'm stubborn and not a quitter. Um, and I decided we're just going to take it to the woods. Like we're going to take it to the outside world and weather permitting, we're going to be working out. Um, and so that's what I did. I just kind of prepped myself mentally over the last, like, I don't know, a few days to really pull this off because I knew the closer it came to moving out into storage, we just weren't going to move into a space. Cause that's what I wanted to do was to find that space and just kind of you know, move everything over. Go from one right to the next. Right. And it just didn't work out that way. Um, so I bit the bullet, did the storage thing. And this morning I actually hosted my first morning class on Lake Mueller. And it was awesome. Um, How many people had, did you have? Oh God, we had, there was four of us out there. Um, they're troopers. And I was super excited to even see a person at all. Honestly, I was just excited to see someone believed in me enough to show up and do their thrusters and our kettlebell swings and our back squats. Um, <laughs> and my second class is going to be tonight at another lake in Austin, more towards where our gym was, because this one was a little bit further away. And uh, it's going to be at 6 p.m. tonight. And I've already got a few people that are like, yay, we're excited. And so we're going to be weightlifting by the water. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's got to be a little promising in helping the way that you're thinking about everything. How have you kept your head above water throughout these circumstances? It's been really hard. Uh, not going to lie or sugarcoat it. I've been struggling mentally and a little bit emotionally in the beginning, very emotionally. Um, cause it was my baby and I'm going to be watching my baby get blown up in like just a matter of weeks. So that was really hard for me to wrap my mind around it. Um, just seeing that place crumble, but knowing the business that was established and the growth that we had and where life was at and all of it, also seeing this kind of get thrown into a little bit more turmoil than I expected. Um, that has been super hard for me just mentally to grasp and be patient and know that, okay, you started from nothing. You know, these are the things that I can think about now just to kind of pull me back out of, you know, a little bit of darkness whenever I start to fall into, holy shit, what did I get myself into? Like, do, can I really even pull this off? Um, so that helped. And then I took like three days off or I guess three days down this week, not even really off because I was still programming um, at home workouts for people while I just brain dumped and brain detoxed out in the woods. And so I, I drove myself to Vanderpool, Texas and did an 11 mile ruck on my own. <laughs> and I thought I was going to die, but it was great. And it was exactly what I needed. And so I, I kind of recharged because I like to recharge alone and in nature most of the time. 
Um, and so it's, I'm, I mean, I soaked it all in and I got my mind right. And I said, all right, Thursday morning, we're doing this. Like, you just got to go. Even if you have nobody show up, at least you got to show up and put the effort out there. And then the right people are going to come. The universe is going to come together. You know, I'm there. You'll be a woo But, you know, things will align if you put the energy where it needs to be. The moment I stop with any kind of energy, I stop everything. And so that's also helped me to stay as progressive as I can be throughout this. That's awesome. Matt, you got anything? <laughs> oh, maybe so. he's doing that. Maybe he's doing that upgrade thing he told us about. <laughs> oh, there he is. I'm here. Hey, um, yeah, I was, I'm listening to your story and I, um, I want to talk to you after for a little bit, Jamie, after we get off of this, but can you tell me a little bit about what your plans for the future are? I know, assuming that this all goes well, which it will, what right, do you, right. what's, on, what's going on in your mind? Like, aside from like your next day or like the day-to-day thing, what is your, what's, what's your outlook right now? How can I keep reaching more people? Honestly, because the financial part, and I will be very upfront, honest and transparent. The financial part is fucking scary as a business owner. Like it can be tragic and make or break you. I gave up my entire life for this. And so my livelihood is invested in this project that I've done. And so now, you know, when I did kind of brain detox and I really just wanted to go cleanse everything that's been happening, I got right with myself and I put, what is my priority now on the front? Like, what am, what am I here for? What was my mission? Why, why did I start this? Why did I do this to myself? And it was, I need to reach the masses. I need to talk to people. I will take the blows as I take the blows. I've been through so much worse. Stay the course and reach your people. And so now I just, I'm trying to get my voice more out there and just, you know, make my mark and make my stink where I can. And, um, you know, once I find a new home for where we're supposed to be, then I'm going to continue, you know, with the weightlifting portion to it, you know, our gym portion to it and our workouts, but I'm going to bring in more education and having more setups where I can just talk to people in a very open environment about stress and about adaption and about just life hacks that we don't spend enough time talking about. Cause I think a lot of people, they need to heal um, most of what's going on mentally and emotionally. And that's where I'm going to put my attention once all this kind of levels itself out, but really create that open space for people to feel welcome and like they belong there again. That's really an incredible mission, Jamie. I, I am right there with you. Like that's, that's something I've been noticing so much in the population that I'm dealing with here. Um, I'm from Staten Island, New York. We have probably one of the highest um, rates of death by overdose in the country. Oh, and in my zip code alone is the highest in in the country and my sister works as a mental health counselor in the um, drug and alcohol addiction field and she tells me well she's getting out of it because she just can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. she is overwhelmed by the the lack of support from the community 
yeah. the lack of resources. And there are so few people that give a shit. You know, it, it's, it's really sad to say, like, these are our friends, these are our family. And, you know, it's people who you wouldn't even expect that are dealing with stress and anxiety um, who lack, it's not that they lack the, the motivation to do, to seek out help. It's they lack the, the resources or not even the resources, the, the support. Mm -hmm. And it's or feeling like yeah. they, they aren't alone in their own mess because sometimes I feel like people are even afraid to say that they're super stressed or that they have anxiety, sure. which are totally normal side effects for life and kind of where our society is even at right now. It's, it puts a lot of pressure on people thinking they have to be a certain way. Granted, social media can be kind of an advocate for that. And I think that's what alludes to a lot of people's like misconceptions about themselves. Um, so I think it takes people like us to kind of break those molds and be like, Hey, like, remember why you're you again, or mm -hmm. what makes you normal and how can we get you back to that? Like happy person. I know, I know that for me and even Ron and probably you too, we got into what we do now, you know, we're all gym owners here and we all got into this probably for the same reasons. Like CrossFit saved me. It, yeah. it, it helped me you know, grow into the person that I am now. Whereas I want to say eight, nine years ago, I was on a very different path. One of self-destruction and probably, probably to a point where I, you know, I'm very grateful for what I have right now and the life that I live. But, you know, back in, in college even, it was uh, it was a hard time, and mm -hmm. to have that, I was lucky enough to find the right person to help me and get into the supportive environment. And a lot of people are not that lucky, and and that that's why I love hearing what you have to say and what you're doing and what your mission is because it's it's so important. Yeah, it really is. I can I can definitely relate, and I resonate with your eight to nine years, you know, ago how you were on kind of like a self destructive path because CrossFit and weightlifting saved me when I was nineteen, about almost nine years ago, um, because I was on a very destructive, like mentally not okay path, you know, on antidepressants and anxiety pills, partying till I was blackout drunk, you know, just doing some dumb shit. And I recognized it one day I woke up and I was laying in bed and it, this was my moment. One of my first big moments um, where I knew I was kind of cut from a different cloth and made for something bigger than myself. Um, when I believed it, I was laying in bed and I just remember I had, I think it may have been recently I'd seen my doctor just talking about the pills that I was on. I think she had prescribed me Lexapro and I've never been depressed or on medications for anything like that until about this time in my life. Um, and she wanted to up my dosage. And I was like, but I'm not depressed. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. And she made me fill out this like checklist on like a little piece of paper that it's like, are you sad? Are you this? Like, do you get jitters and things like that? Do you have heart palpitation? I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous, you know? And so, of course, she's like, oh, you're just, you've got depression and whatever. Here's some pills. And so I was laying in bed one day and I was like, this is not okay. Like, this is not my life. And I was also in like a pretty rough relationship or 
out of one with somebody, um, just really bad, toxic. And so all these things were happening around me. And I remember thinking, I freaking hate myself. I hate the person that I've become. Absolutely. Why am I getting blackout drunk on the weekends? Like, who does that? I'm only 19 years old. And I'm on antidepressants and anxiety pills. Like, this is not my forever. These are just the things that I, like, this is not who I am. And I remember feeling very lost. And that was it. I woke up. I ran downstairs. I grabbed all the pills. I threw them away. Went cold turkey. Because I'd asked her to, what if I go cold turkey? Because I had already started thinking about breaking the silence and breaking, I guess, my cycle with myself. And she warned me like, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. And of course, it's exactly what I did because I didn't have those <laughs> issues and I wasn't depressed and I didn't have anxiety. I was just hurting. I was suffering in my own silence. And I, I thought that I lost who I was and what my purpose was. And so that was it. Throw all my pills away. I said, screw this life. Like I'm done with it. And I joined CrossFit, literally joined CrossFit and the rest was history. And it completely saved my life completely I would think you that, say oh, go ahead Ron would you say that the person that you were who was prescribed that medicine was maybe just a scared little girl who needed to fucking talk oh absolutely 110% 110% because I I had been battling just with like trauma and all these things growing up and being around the wrong kind of people, really like the energy that I was around was fucking gross. And I let it eat me alive and consume me. And then that's what I thought that I was, or I thought those were the things that I was becoming until you just kind of step out of that light. And a lot of people, they don't have that inner strength. And being an athlete, most of my life growing up, like I was a very strong, independent person. I just kind of fell out of it when I was at my weird teenage years. And I thought that I had to be a certain way. I thought I had to look a certain way. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself as a female and a person that didn't think they had value. And I let it eat me alive. I didn't have a support system. I didn't have structure. I didn't have someone I thought that could hear me. Because when I would go talk to a therapist and things, I always felt, and this is going to sound so terrible, I always felt like I was smarter than my therapist. And so I could that's never so, take her advice. That's so funny. I actually stopped seeing the therapist that I saw for a while because I couldn't sit there any longer and take advice from somebody about improving my life who I could tell wasn't doing anything to improve theirs. Exactly. My, mine, mine, was, mine was significantly overweight and like every week I could see it getting worse. And it was so hard to just be there and listen to this person like, how could you tell me what you're telling me to like try and help me when you don't help yourself? Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yes. Like that is exactly what was happening to me. And so I stopped seeing my therapist and I was like, I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not this, like, I'm so normal. I just, I need a little bit of a better direction. Like that was all I needed was a purpose or a small little light and CrossFit became my light. And then it became my community and it just, it became my obsession. <laughs> and and it, gave, it gave you a voice. Yeah, absolutely. Like this was, that was my first foundation into where I was supposed to go. I changed my majors in school, everything. Like if it wasn't for CrossFit, holy cow, I really don't know what my life would have looked like, honestly. I hear that so much from people. Um, 
let me just say before we finish this up, Jamie, um, whatever you're doing, it sounds amazing. And you, you sound like such a brave person and so you have this positive aura around you. And I can see this, uh, I can see us coming back to this conversation in a little bit and you having all these great like stories to tell. Oh, all the experiences. Yeah. You just wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to finish up with one question. What is, what does a life below parallel mean to you? It means being uncomfortable. Being below parallel means being uncomfortable and being okay with being uncomfortable. Because obviously when we're below parallel, sometimes we don't feel good. We want to power clean, we want to power snatch. We want to not fully go in below 90 degree angles in our squats, <laughs> but being below parallel, it means you're being vulnerable and it means you're being uncomfortable and it means like you're getting stronger because going below I think your lowest points in life are just areas that you feel pressure and tight and coming out of them that's what makes a warrior and that what makes somebody strong I love it thank you so much Jamie for coming on Ron you're the man I love that haircut <laughs> thanks guys Guys. Yeah, it does look really, you look like a Viking. <laughs> yes, I'll take that. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> oh yeah, you look like a total Viking. <laughs> Jamie, I just want to tell you that of all the people that I've been introduced to on social media, uh, I look forward to seeing the things that you put out. It's always, always, always like just hitting home with me and just keep it up. You are, you are yeah. making a difference. Thank you. You're welcome. That means a lot. Seriously. The, uh, you guys, it's going to make me emotional now. I can't have this. All right. Uh, let's cut it there then. Uh, so Jamie and so Ron doesn't cry anymore. But guys, we love you all. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. you.